Hello, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with the LeanZone.com podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the five things you need to do after you submit your bid so that you get more work. And we have Kyle Conlon with us. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing well, Alex. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, Kyle, you're with PlanHub. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and PlanHub? Yeah. So, my name is Kyle Conlon. I'm the vice president and co-founder of PlanHub.com. Uh, we are a nationwide website where general contractors across the country are able to post commercial projects and gain exposure to thousands of new subcontractors that are in our database uh, with the click of a button. Uh, we are a, a free service for general contractors to post their projects. We actively have about 220,000 subcontractors who use our service every month to bid projects uh, with about 50,000 bids per month submitted through the platform. And you told me, Kyle, before we hit record that you get about how many? 300 new projects? About 300 new private and public projects are posted to PlanHub each day. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. So you definitely know a lot about this topic, about what to do with respect to bidding, and more importantly, what we're going to talk about today, what to do after you submit the bid. So let's get right into it. So I'm a subcontractor. I've sub I've gone through the hard work of preparing my bid. I've sharpened my pencil. I've put together all the information. I've answered all the questions, and I hit submit. Now, I'm going to guess most subcontractors think that that's when they you know, get out the rosary beads, you know, whatever they got to do. And they just kind of wait and pray. Right. And they just hope that they get the bid. But you actually say there's a lot of other things that you can do as a sub after you hit submit to get the job. So let's run through the five things that you recommend. So, Absolutely. And you're exactly right, Alex. I mean, a lot of these bids that are being submitted um, in the commercial sector they're sending them off with a prayer. They've always got loads of questions about that bid uh, before the job, before the bid is even submitted to the to the general contractor. Uh, and the only thing I want to touch on pre-bid uh, follow-up, one of the most important things I've seen in the commercial sector that a lot of subs don't realize is that 90% of commercial projects that are out for bid are considered what they're what they call a hard bid. It means that more than one general contractor is bidding that project. So I think the very first thing a sub needs to ask himself when submitting that bid is if this GC has already been awarded the project. And if not, he needs to figure out who the other general contractors are on the project. Uh, he, he stands a much better chance of winning that job if he has the full bid list. And, and that doesn't just go for public projects. Um, I see more and more private projects, banks and restaurants and retail stores that have five and 10 GCs that have been invited to bid the job. Uh, so, so that's is your advice, Kyle, that if I'm the electrician, I need to figure that out so that I can submit my bid to more than one of the. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of, it's one of the dirty secrets of commercial bidding. Um, and a lot of GCs may not want the subs to, to realize that they have competition on again, 90% of these projects that are being put out there. Uh, 
they're in most cases, they're not the only GC the owner has invited to bid the job. Um, so as a sub, that's one of my, my biggest pieces of advice before the bid is submitted is to, to kind of know the position of the project and the contract. If that GC has already been awarded it. And if not, what other GCs are bidding, um, our service is great for that plan hub will list out every GC that's bidding a project. Um, we have a way where we can consolidate projects into just one single project that has a list of every GC that posted the job. Well, that's like uh, that's like getting, uh, pardon the expression, a lot more bang for your buck, right? I've already done the work. I've generated the bid. If I submit it to GC one and not two, three, and four, you know, my chances go way down of getting that work. But exactly. if I take the exact same bid and I just give it to the rest of them. Exactly. It's hard enough. And, and I don't even know the, the time it takes for most of these trades to, to do a takeoff based off blueprints and the, the time it takes to, to put all those numbers and, and figures down on paper and to come up with a price. You, you want to make sure that your bid is in the right hands. And if you're only send, sending the bid to one GC and there's eight other GCs that are actively bidding the job, you know, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice in my opinion. So that's one of the first things I just wanted to mention just before, before the follow-up stuff. We, we could end the podcast here and I think people would be happy or they'd be like, wow, that's a great thing it, to know with the idea that plan hub kind of pulls back the curtain to show you that. Cause as a sub, you may not know. Um, and now you can find out more. We educate subs every day on that. It's, it's amazing that a lot of them assume that if they get an invite not even from plan hub, just, just an email invite from a general contractor in their respective state. They just, they don't even think about it. They just assume that GC has already been awarded that job. But again, nine times out of 10, that's just not the case. Most owners and developers, they want multiple GC prices. Right. So, so let's get right into it. So now I've, I've prepared the bid. I've submitted it hopefully to more than one GC. Now what do I do? The very first thing most subcontractors worry about, and you could probably guess it, when they, they send that bid off with a with a hope and a prayer, it's they're always worried about the price. Don't get me wrong, price, it is important in commercial bidding. I'd like to say that it's not all based on price. It really isn't. The, the, the first question they asked is, uh, did I bid too high on this project? And it, did I waste my time bidding this project because my bid price is too high. Uh, they'll ask, did I bid too low? And will I lose money on the project if I'm awarded? And the best one I hear is when they do get awarded a project, when they get what's called a letter of intent from the GC, they almost always ask, did I leave money on the table? So there's always questions about the, the price. And it is important because that is, that's kind of the first thing I think an estimator, a general contractor estimator looks at uh, your bid could be five pages long, full of scope of work and alter alternates. And I think the very first thing he goes to is is the price. Uh, right. From there, he's gonna he's gonna wait his decision on on other factors as well. Um, I I don't think it should be based just on price. Um, a, a lot of subs assume that being awarded a job, you have to be the low bid. But as we talk further about some of these other strategies, I think everyone's going to learn that it's not all based on price, not not with a good commercial general contractor. Uh, but it is the very first thing they they kind of worry about. So what else should should we be doing after we submit a bid? 
So just just to go on with price, I think every bid submitted, every lost bid submitted, a sub should look at as an opportunity. Don't look at that as a as a waste of time. Take those lost bids and follow up, up with the estimator, and you know use it to start getting your price price better. Ask him how many other bids were submitted for for painting. You know what were the other prices? What was the winning price? And before you know it, within ten or twelve bids, if you're getting some good feedback from responsive estimators, you're going to figure out the the pricing in your market. Um, and then you can kind of put a check mark beside your pricing strategy, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess I, I would. I'm, I'm going to guess most bidders move on pretty quickly when they don't get a job. And and you're saying, don't don't do that. Take a little bit of effort. See if you can talk to the estimator. By the way, I'm guessing that generates some goodwill. You know, now you kind of maybe move a little ahead of the pack. You become a known quantity to this estimator um, and to this contractor because you actually give a damn. That's exactly right, man. Uh, you got to be proactive. And, and you'll see with some of these next uh, tips and strategies that communication is, is key at, at the end of the day. Um but, but going forward, I think the, the second piece of advice is, is bid volume. Uh, every trade from site work to concrete to mechanical, electrical, plumbing, painting, flooring, each of them, they kind of figure out just how many bids they need to be submitting each month just to be awarded one project. Uh, e- even in a, a very strong construction economy like, like the one we're living in right now, there, there's still a lot of strategy that, that needs to be had. And, and I think a lot of subs are still having to submit upwards of 10 bids a month just to be awarded one project. Um, we're, we're seeing it every day. So are you suggesting that we, I as a sub need to know what that number is so that I can make sure that I'm hitting yes, it? Sir. Yes, sir. It's it. I think it's a firm number. I, I think internally in an estimating department, no matter if you're a flooring estimator, uh, an electrical estimator, a painting estimator, I think every estimator needs that quota number they need to hit every month. Uh, so if that number, in, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with 10 bids per month, uh, no matter what trade you are. Some trades, they have to bid 30. Some, they may only have to bid six projects per month to win one. But if you're bidding 10 a month, you should get a lot of good out of that. Uh, right. So you're saying I should look at my history so that I know that how many bids I submit turn into actual projects so that I know to keep the lights on, I need to make sure that I hit a certain number of bids going forward. And if man, I'm not, yeah. then I should be worried. It's a numbers game. I mean, that's one thing I can say from the outside looking in construction bidding. You know, I'm no construction expert, but construction bidding, it's it, it really is a numbers game. And, and, most season estimators, they start figuring that out. Uh, let's say their quote is 10 and it's the 27th day of the month and they've only got six bids out there. They'll scramble. And it's not hard these days to find four projects to bid, uh, but they'll scramble to find four projects just to put numbers out on before the end of the month just to hit their quota because they know the numbers never lie to them. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing if they're really smart, they know that the bids they don't submit are the projects they don't get that affects their income, not today, but three, six, 12 months from now. You're exactly right. Uh, you know, the average project, if you're bidding a project today, 
that project may take about two to three weeks to get awarded to one of the GCs. From there, you know, your, your PM, your project manager has to go through the buyout process, which may take another three weeks. Permitting has to happen. You know, there's a pretty long delay from the day a bid submitted till the day you actually start the project as a sub. And then something real quick you have to think about, uh, each trade doesn't start the job at the exact same time. You know, you got sure. your site work guys that come in first and then your concrete. Uh, before you know it, you know, you got your masonry guys and then your MEP guys and then your finished trades, your roofing, landscaping. You know, so there's a there's a long delay depending on the type of trade you are before you actually even start the project, let alone get paid on the contract you bid for. So Yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. People can go is. back and listen to the years of podcasts we have on on getting paid and, and how to get paid. That's we could we could spend hours yep. on that. Yep. Um so let's talk about the next thing. So tell the, me about the types of projects. The, the next thing is the types of commercial projects out there. And for simplicity, we're, we're just talking about commercial projects, not residential. But in, in my opinion, there's three main types of commercial projects. You have private projects, which Plan Hub is very good at. Uh, I believe about 80% of the projects that get posted to Plan Hub are private. Uh, and then you have government and public projects, which make up the other 20%. Um, there's different types of follow-ups that need to be done based on these three categories. Uh, like I just previously mentioned, uh, with a lot of private projects like banks and retail stores and churches, uh, et cetera, it takes about two weeks. You know, So you submit a bid today, and then I think a, a good estimator needs to wait about two weeks before he follows up with that GC to ask about his number. Reason being, it takes about two weeks for the owner of the project to even award one of those, let's say it was five GCs bidding a church. It's going to take that owner about two to three weeks uh, to even give a contract to one of those GCs. So before that period, those GCs really can't tell any of the subs anything about their numbers until they're officially awarded the project. Uh, so there's timelines uh, with public projects. Uh, like a city hall or a school or a library. Normally, the bid due date that a sub is seeing and, and the day he's submitting his bid, that's typically the same day they do what's called a bid opening. Uh, so the GCs will go to the, the purchasing department and they will physically read the bids aloud. And whichever general contractor has the lowest overall cost bid proposal will be offered a letter of intent based on qualifications. Uh, so a public project, a sub could pretty much follow up on the day after the bid opening. Uh, government projects, those can be timely. They, those take a long time. Sometimes before you hear back on a government project, you'll forget you even bid the project because they really just take a, they can take months. Um, right. But So uh, knowing which, which type of job I bid is going to dictate the timeline so let's get right into the kind of, let's call it the heart of what we were talking about. Yes. Like, yep. what do I do? Okay. So now I know the GC, it's been two, three weeks. I, I know I should be following up. Do I send an email? Do I send a text message? It, um, do I make a phone call? What do I do? And the reason I brought up the, this is the reason I brought up the different categories in commercial construction, because in my opinion, it's all about timing. Price is big. But timing and communication are bigger, and I've seen it firsthand. Uh, 
so we'll we'll go right into communication, which which is, in my opinion, it's the most important of all of all of these things. I've seen subs that have some of the the highest prices on project, the highest bids get awarded more projects than some of the guys that are lowball. They call it lowballing projects. And I used to always wonder why. And I started talking to a lot of these subs and just kind of picking their brains about how they were doing it. Uh, you know, in some cases they were submitting half the bids as the guys that were submitting very low numbers. And they told me the same thing over the years. They, they, they all had good personalities and they were all great with communication. Um, so, so the first thing you think is who do I communicate with? You know, after that bid is submitted, who is the end user? Who do I need to call or email to follow up, to ask about my price, to ask if they were awarded the job? In most cases, these subs, they assume it's the estimator. Nine, again, 90% of bigger general contracting firms out there, it's the project manager. Uh, the project manager does most of the buyout process. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know these estimators, these senior estimators have a lot of pull when it comes to deciding which subcontractor in each trade gets awarded a contract. But once it gets passed, once the bid package gets passed to the project manager, it's in his hands. Uh, and, and that's the person that I think subs need to get a hold of. In most cases, these guys are better on the telephone. Uh, I, I have seen it so many times where their project managers are typically out in the field from what I know, and they have a cell phone number that a subcontractor can kind of find out either from an estimator or a gatekeeper in, in the GC office. Uh, I've seen in a lot of cases where the first sub in a pack of bids, let's say there's five flooring bids, no matter what the price was, the first sub from from the flooring pack to call and get a hold of that project manager and build that relationship ends up getting a contract on the job. Wow. That's impressive. It is. It, yeah. It's, I, I started figuring this out because I started, I, I was just kind of looking in the background at some of the bids and some of the bid prices and seeing the actual subs that were being awarded jobs. And that's when I started realizing, man, it is not all about price. You know, this is a relationship business come to find out. Um, you know, and it does. It starts with estimating, uh, but again, in in most cases, on most projects, that project manager is the guy that issues that letter of intent. So that's the person you need to get a hold of. Yeah you know, one one of the things you know that I'm sure everyone's heard of is is the last look, right? Everyone wants to be, you know, the 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 sub that where their number is given the last look. So you want to be the guy that um, I'm the roofer, I submit the number, my number's not the number that they need, but they have, they, they pick up the phone and call me and say, look, if you can do it for X, you got the job. Um, I assume that you see or hear about that yourself, and, and that's probably driven a lot by the relationship. It is, you know, and I tell subs, you never want to give a GC an opportunity to just use your number as a reference. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you're just blasting bids out there, uh, they call it shotgun bidding. You know, if you're just sending out 10 bids a month without proper follow-up, that's all you're doing. You're just giving these estimators better ammunition to use your number to get better pricing from other subs out there that are doing proper follow-up. 
So now, now they the more bids they get per trade, they they get a better idea of where that price needs to be to put proper markup on it to submit to the owner. So you know, I, I I'm going to go back to kind of where we started. You know, it, from as as we get to the end of this podcast, it sounds like uh, follow up is a euphemism for building a relationship of of uh, knowledge and trust between you and the bidding GC, right? I mean, that's what you're looking to, to do with all of these steps. It is, and not just the bidding GC, but back to figuring out who that winning GC is and honing in on that GC uh, that got awarded the contract. Uh, it's It's probably one of the worst habits, I think, in commercial subcontractor bidding is that a lot of these guys, they're just putting bids out there and waiting on that phone call. You know, it's it's like when candidates are applying for job positions, but they really don't go back and follow up that employer. They're just waiting on that phone call. And only in rare cases, in my opinion, are, are they going to get that phone call? You know, if that price, if your price is just so low, that estimator can't help but call you because he's got to figure out what you missed in the blueprints for your price to be this low. So in a lot of cases, it's not a great thing to get that first call from an estimator because uh, he's trying to figure out what you may have missed in the blueprints. Right. As, a, as an aside, I would tell you um, one of the things that we see sometimes on the negative side from the sub or, or from the GCs that we may represent, um, we see sometimes that GCs will carry a number they know is low that is that they know is probably wrong and one of the things we see them do is while it may not have been a requirement initially it becomes a requirement to for that sub to bond that scope of work because they know that the number is just so low they can't turn it down that if something's wrong they want to backstop that risk um with a payment and performance bond, I, I tell clients, subcontractor clients, you know, be careful if you're nervous that your number was low and you get awarded the job and the GC says, no, 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 I need you to bond this because they may be setting you up because they know they've now seen all of the other numbers and you're way off. You're exactly right. Uh, and that kind of goes into my last part and my last piece of advice is just about vetting and knowing who you're uh, getting involved in a contract with. And I know that's that's kind of your realm as well. Um, and it's not easy to bond projects. And, and in my opinion, if if it's a GC that's just taking a bid because it's low, that's probably not a GC you want to get in bed with anyway. Um, you know, so as exciting as it is for a subcontractor to get that letter of intent from a new GC he's never worked with uh, for, for a substantial contract price, you've really got to do your due diligence these days, even these days. I mean, um, when while things are good, there's still those types of GCs out there that are borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And I see it a lot. Uh, you know, and there's a lot that Google can provide for you just by doing some general searches uh, based on the general contractor name, the, you know, the project manager's name, um, asking supply houses what yeah, they know about this GC. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, asking your lawyer. I get calls from clients, I would say weekly. Hey, Alex, tell me about uh, so-and-so contractor. What do you, what do you know about them? Um, 
because they just want to get a feel on whether or not they should even bid. So this is a call before they submit the bid. Yep. Um, because they don't want to waste their time doing work for someone that may not pay them, may treat them poorly. Um, so, yeah. That, that really Definitely does. Do your, do your homework. Yeah, that shows you how time intensive it takes to prepare a bid when a sub doesn't even want to do the, the heavy lifting to get the bid prepared and send it to a GC before he even knows uh, the reputation of this general contractor. You know, does he pay his bills? Uh, do they do draw checks? Uh, are they a, what's called a pay when paid GC, which I see a lot of that these days. Uh, which... Yeah, for what it's worth in, in South Florida, particularly in Florida generally, um, almost every contract is a pay when paid contract here for subs. That's right. Yeah, and, and a lot of subs don't even know that after until after they've signed the contract. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, sometimes I'm the one that has to break it to them. Wait, wait, what? what? Yep. They don't have to pay me until they get paid? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been some great information. Uh, I, I hope... Uh, our listeners put this information to good use. What's the best way, Kyle, for someone to get a hold of you to find out more about the things we talked about today or Plan Hub? Uh, they can probably just shoot me an email, to be honest. That's probably the best form of communication. Sure. What's your email address? Yep. So it's my first initial K and then my last name, Conlon. So K C O N L A N at planhub.com. Perfect. I really appreciate you taking the time, the time, Kyle, uh, today to talk to us uh, about bidding. Um, and everybody else, we'll uh, be back next week with another episode of the LeanZone.com podcast. Thanks, Thanks for again, having Kyle. me. Thank you.